Hello out there. We're on the air. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the 88 Sats radio channel and welcome to the daily Bitcoin journey. Actionable and logical discussion for Bitcoiners and future Bitcoiners. We're going to have a lot of future Bitcoiners in the next year. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Part of it anyways. We got a couple derangement syndromes to discuss. Good morning, Adam. Adam 1 and Adam 35. A couple Adams in the chat today. If your name's not Adam, see yourself out. <laughs> okay, let's get to the metrics. No, we got a couple things to discuss first. No, we don't. We're going to get to the metrics. Sorry. It's going to be a good show today. We have some things to discuss, some actionable things, and then some logical things to just talk through, which a lot of people seem to be a little bit afraid to do nowadays, but we're not on this show, not on the daily Bitcoin journey. Morning, Rick. <laughs> we got a couple non-Adams in the chat today as well. That's good. <laughs> okay, let's start with the metrics. Let's start there. <clears throat> Got her loaded up already, even. All right. Currently, we are sitting at block height 828. 828246. I swear I've developed some sort of, some form of dyslexia. I'm not going to try to say the word dys dyslexia. Yeah. Since I was a young lad. I don't know why. Just some days I, I see... Numbers kind of uh, flip-flop. Oh, that's the wrong thing. Okay, so anyways, block height 828246. If you're transacting on the Bitcoin Layer 1 network this morning, you're paying about 50 sats, uh, 35 to 50 sats per V-byte. About the same as it's been. Nothing crazy to report there. In the metrics today, the price of Bitcoin, I think this went up. When I woke up, it was 42 something. And then when I checked this, it was 43. I don't know if this is right. It's not. 43,394. This is the price they gave me when I checked. One year ago today, you could have purchased one Bitcoin for 23,139. Pretty much half. So this is about the time last year when the price started to run up, I believe, in Bitcoin. Because I think it was under 20000 at the start of the year for sure. Anyways, four years ago today, you could have purchased one Bitcoin for 9300 US dollars. Moscow time today. One US dollar will get you 2347 Satoshis. The price today in Canada, where we are having an absolutely beautiful winter so far here. 57,172 Canadian dollars, Canadian monopoly dollars. The moose jaw time today, one Canadian dollar, one loony will get you 1,747, 48 <laughs> sats. Heck of a deal. Moose jaw time is the Canadian equivalent of Moscow time. For those who don't, for those who don't know. Sachi in the house. Is that a couple beers or a beer? Cheers. Yippo. 
It's hump day today. I'm in a good mood. We're going to have a good show today. I can feel it. Okay, so this show basically is going to be... <laughs> this show is going to be a different one. A little bit different. We're going to talk about a couple derangement syndromes. I'm going to talk through the Bitcoin one. And then at the end of the show, we're going to talk about a little bit, something a little bit different. And some people might not love it, but that's okay. The beauty of the internet, and this is a very underappreciated part of the internet, I think, is that if you don't like what you're watching or what you're listening to, you can just move on. You can just scroll up. You can click X. You can move on with your day. So we got that to look forward to at the end of the show. That's a little, oh, a little, I got you, Crown Royal. I thought I was looking for a little king crown. But did you shake your phone today? That's a good question. Believe it or not, I missed my shake streak while I was in Mexico. Bound to happen. And I know that this, that is some sarcasm in the chat today. But that's okay. I'm never, ever going to turn down free, free sats. I'm sure I'll have to pay some heavy taxes on that someday. Maybe not though. I don't know. It's tough to say. So let's get to, I want to talk about the hash rate quickly because we are getting very close to the halving. The upcoming halving is close. I think that we're, they're shooting for about April 20th or 20. That's going to be the next halving for Bitcoin. I think that's going to be, hopefully there's going to be some Bitcoin parties. That'll be a good show. What day is that? Hopefully we get to do a live show on oh, Saturday. Maybe we'll do a special Saturday show for the having. I'm sure there'll be a, a bunch of different shows doing something special for that. But let's look at the hash rate here. Because typically what we see when we get close to halvings is the hash rate drops. And the reason for that is because when the halving happens, all of the Bitcoin, all of these mining companies, their main source of revenue is Bitcoin, that's how they generate their profits. And so when that gets chopped in half, when the new supply of Bitcoin, their revenue gets chopped in half, they still have to keep the lights on. They still have to pay the exact same amount of energy costs. So the revenue gets cut in half on average, but their costs stay the same. So this is kind of the point in each cycle where we start to lose some miners, at least in the meantime. And so how that looks is basically they just power down. And that's that's the beauty of Bitcoin and why Bitcoin mining is going to be so important in the future is because, yes, we're putting up all these Bitcoin mining facilities around the world. Yes, it's taken a ton of power, energy. But if if the grid needs the power, these, these Bitcoin mining facilities have the ability to, to shut off in a second. They just power down the plant all that energy from the grid becomes available to the community there. And then once the once everything's good to go again, they can power back on. In this case, they're powering down because, because of the, the revenue dropping in half. So some, some mining companies are saying that, that we can't afford to keep the lights on here based on the new rewards. And maybe something they'll change, maybe they'll change something, maybe they'll cut different parts of it. Or go a different route. So that's kind of what we're seeing right now. And so we saw last week, the hash rate, I think was an all time high, 
638 exahash. It looks like an all-time high to me, but then we dropped in the last week or so down to 495. And so this difficulty adjustment, I just wanted to talk about this quickly because there might, there might be some folks in the chat and watching later who don't really understand the difficulty adjustment. And so how that works, that's a little pink line here that you can see on the screen. So every X amount of blocks, I don't know it offhand on a live show, every X amount of blocks, the difficulty gets adjusted and that gets adjusted based on the hash rate. So if the hash rate's going up and there's more people trying to solve the next block equation, the difficulty adjustment goes up. So you can see that that's what happened here. Pretty much throughout this whole time, every time the hash rate's going up, the difficulty adjustment is gonna go up with it. When the hash rate falls, and there's less people competing to solve the next block, the hash rate or the difficulty adjustment drops. And that's what we saw here. So we hit an all-time high essentially of 630 exahash, and then it dropped significantly. This is when there was a few miners that powered down last week. So it drops significantly to 413 exahash. And so then you can see during the next difficulty adjustment, it went down making it easier essentially for the miners to solve the next block because there's less of them competing for that next block. So that's that's the built-in by design beauty of Bitcoin is that the more hash rate that comes onto the network, the more people who are plugging in their mining, their mining machines, the harder it becomes to solve that next block. So it has dropped, but if we look at it from the last 15 years, we can see that we're in a pretty damn good spot right now and i would and i would argue that the hash rate is the most important metric to be focused on with bitcoin not the price in usd little crown and ginger it looks like maybe crown royal that's a manitoba product gimli manitoba personally my favorite whiskey okay so that is the metrics for today. That is the hash rate. And that is the difficulty adjustment. Okay. So I want to give a couple shout outs here quickly before we get into the derangement stuff. So quick shout out to one fella in the chat, Adam. I won't bring up his name, but he's in the chat. One of the Adams sent, uh, we sent a nice King golf hoodie to him last week and he paid in Bitcoin. So I want to give him a shout out for that. Our company King Golf, we do accept Bitcoin for all of our products. It has been slowly growing more and more through the YouTube channel, through our 88 sats, and just through the network itself, more and more people are starting to pay for products in Bitcoin. So I want to give a shout out to that because things are happening. When people, when people say I can't buy anything with Bitcoin, you can. You just got to find the right companies who are willing to accept it. So that's the first one. And there are Bitcoin companies that, and that's the next part ties into this. I wanted to give a shout out to a couple Bitcoin funds and companies. So 1031 for, for one, uh, Odell, I'm sure most people watching this show have heard of Odell. He's a big supporter of the Bitcoin community, open source community in Bitcoin and 1031 and open sats. Uh, they're doing some really special things in Bitcoin. It is important to look after the Bitcoin developers because that is what essentially holds up this whole network. So 
they're doing some really good things at 1031 investing in Bitcoin companies at OpenSats, giving to open source contributors without any strings attached to it. So if you do have some sats that you feel like contributing, giving back to the Bitcoin network, you can check out OpenSats. It's a pretty, pretty good initiative and very grateful for people like Odell who are doing this kind of stuff. And the next one there is the ego death. I've been, I've been watching a ton of Jeff Booth interviews and he's talking about ego death, which is his Bitcoin venture cap fund. And part of that, the main mission there outside of funding Bitcoin companies, the main thing that he talks about is not only giving them money, but also just being in that system. And I talk about this quite a bit on the show, but I think it is a very important aspect of this. But I, I want to focus on every day moving your time, your energy, your capital from the old system and into this new system, Bitcoin, that's built on truth and honesty. And the more the more you can do that every day, slowly, the more powerful the new system is going to become and the more we're going to start starving the old system. So ego, ego death is a big part of that. They're giving to Bitcoin companies. They're working in Bitcoin. They're holding their reserves in Bitcoin. And the more and more people, the bigger they get, the more they can give out to Bitcoin funds. And the last one is actually a group that I'm a part of. And I haven't, I haven't talked about this on the show at all for a few reasons. I, I mean, I like to be somewhat private in, in things, but I do think that this is something that the average person could actually benefit from. And so I wanted to talk about it briefly today. And that is something similar to 1031 and Ego Death Capital. And this is called, it's a venture capital group called the Founders Group. And I came across this a couple years ago kind of by accident almost, but it led me to the founders group. But it is a venture capital fund that's investing in Bitcoin companies and in cryptocurrency companies. Not just that, but kind of more freedom companies. So companies, I think there's like a, there's a homeschooling company. Um, there's a, a bed for autistic kids to help them sleep better. There's just things like that, that that's kind of helping make the world a better place. And that's how I see it. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that because it is for somebody like me who doesn't have a huge amount of capital to invest. It is something that I was able to get in on. And you can find these companies, Bitcoin companies and freedom companies and, and invest in them at the very early stages. And that's something that we've never really had access to in the older system is that we only get the the stocks and the investment opportunities once the the big capital has already seen it through the seed uh, seed round funding. So once a once a, a stock goes public, that's when we can buy it. But before that, there's a ton of buying that happens that is only available to people who are in the elite class of people. So they have access to the cheapest shares the first seed rounding, and then they sell it to the public us for a higher price and they cash out and then so i just think that having an opportunity like this uh, for me was a big thing and i've they've done some really good things so far it's been about two years and so if you are interested in that maybe i'll put a link below for you just to check it out you can see the the projects that 
a group has funded so far and kind of just get a good feel for the mission going forward. So I just want to show, uh, show those three venture cap funds out because Bitcoin needs capital, needs investments and needs support to, to win. Okay. Adam says paid in Bitcoin and then instantly replenished the spent Bitcoin. That is the way to do it. And I'm going to be talking about that in a, a future show. I'm going to talk about different Bitcoin funds because we talk about the everything falling in comparison to Bitcoin. And I think that if you do it properly, you can actually set yourself up for different funds and projects that you know that you're going to have to spend in the future. You can kind of set yourself up for that by buying some Bitcoin at the right time, keeping the, keeping the majority of it, but keeping smaller funds kicking around for when the Bitcoin price runs up during the bull runs. If you can time that properly, I think that there's a huge opportunity not to trade, but to actually wait for the right time to spend some of your sats. And if, if that time is not right, like Adam mentioned here, then you can just buy some Bitcoin back. Pretty easy to do. Okay. So let's get to... Let's get to the Bitcoin derangement syndrome. So kind of kind of how this came to be is that we all know there's a guy in the US. His name's Donald Trump. I'm sure when I said that name, some people watching the show got some sort of uh, weird feeling or triggered by it. And that's the case because you you see the interviews, I'm sure everybody's seen on TikTok, on YouTube shorts, you see these interviewers, they're out on the streets and they say, who are you voting for, Trump or Biden? And they say, obviously Biden. And then they say, why? What's wrong with Trump? And then they, they have no, absolutely no ability to answer the question. They have no, nothing that they can pin it to. They just accuse you of being a racist or uh fascist or whatever buzzword that they've been told to to use in that case and they can't actually give a reason for it why they don't like trump why he's a bad guy and if you actually stop and look at it logically trump was the only president to start zero wars he didn't take a salary his main focus as a president was to end child trafficking and he made 10 dozens I think more than 10 peace deals with countries, with significant leaders around the world, including the, the, the rocket man from North Korea. So you look at these things and you see, I mean, you can say what you want about the economy. It was good, but I think it was very inflated by the amount of money printing happening. But just those factors alone, I think that it's very hard to argue that he did not have a positive impact, very positive impact. And then you look at the flip side of that and people say, He's a criminal. Okay. So that's that's an example of Trump derangement syndrome. And I think that that actually spills into Bitcoin itself. Because it's the same thing. And I'm going to talk about the first part here is if you were to, if you were to stop and think about the perfect money, what would the perfect money look like? And so I got a little bit of a list here that I want to go through. 
and then we can just logically discuss it without saying any words or any buzzwords. But the perfect money, I think, to me, would have a fixed supply that could not be printed or manipulated. The perfect money would be able to travel anywhere on earth in seconds, sending value back and forth in seconds. It would have, it would be global. It would have a global demand. And so we wouldn't need exchange rates. Because if you think about it, I was in Mexico last week and to trade and to change your money for American for pesos. And then if you don't spend that money, you have to change it back to your currency, Canadian currency. And think about the fees going back and forth there. And you never know who's going to accept what. And they have to do the conversion there. And so think about how much easier it would be, especially dealing with people online now. Just having a global currency, you don't need exchange rates. Everybody knows the price. You don't have to do any sort of, there's nobody in between taking a fee off of that. It would probably be accessible to everybody and it could be used without anybody's permission. So anybody could use it. Anybody with an internet connection could use it and you wouldn't have to ask permission to use your money that you earned because that's all money is, is it's energy that you've, you've put into this to the, the world and that's what you've gotten back for your energy, for your work. So why should you need anybody's permission to spend it? And it would probably be peer to peer so that nobody could stop it. And we hear peer to peer almost like a buzzword in Bitcoin. But if you really stop and think about what peer to peer is, it means that I can send value to you for something that you did for me, whatever that is, product or service. I can send that value to you without anybody in between there. And for most people, because we've never really learned about our monetary system by design, but it's incredible the amount of steps that are, that if I were to do that in the, in the current system, how many places that would have to travel through before it got to you. So it should be peer to peer. I shouldn't need anybody's permission. There should be no ability for the middleman to stop that. And there shouldn't be anybody taking fees on that in between. Okay. So let's take a little break there. That is the perfect money to me, but we're going to take a break here, catch up on the chat a little bit. <laughs> so Adam says he was going to originally use PayPal, want to support and grow the Bitcoin community. That's that's what we're here for. That's exactly what we're doing here. It is a bit more of a pain in the ass. Probably PayPal is easier right now and people don't love spending their Bitcoin because we're told to hodl forever. But this is a perfect example of that where Adam paid for a hoodie for one of our hoodies in Bitcoin and then just replenished it. Instead of actually spending the Bitcoin, he just used Bitcoin as his way to do that. Donald, who? Uh, good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Jason. Good to see you, fellas. And rock roll. The Bitcoin ETFs are acquiring Bitcoin at 13 times higher rate than the 900 daily issuance. Soon to be cut in half to 450. So what would that be then? 26 times higher? 
If 250 million new daily inflows are the floor in the new normal, things could get spicy soon. I think so too. I think we've kind of seen the ETF. It, we've seen that it was kind of priced in for the most part, but we've seen how much Bitcoin is being eaten up by these ETF issuers, the applicants. And I do think that sometime in the very near future, things are going to go go crazy. Maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but sometime soon. So the, the last halving that happened was May 2020. And the, the cool thing about these metrics that we've been doing every day, looking back four years, is I think we're going to see a very similar path that happened four years ago. So as we move along here, we're going to see the price from four years ago slowly start to climb too as we got up closer to the May 2020 halving. Okay, back to the Bitcoin here. So that is, to me, what the perfect money would look like. And if you describe that to somebody and somebody took that in and logically thought about that, they would see how important this asset is, how important this technology is for people. But as soon as you hear, as soon as they hear the word Bitcoin, done. And I, I think that that is very similar to the Trump derangement syndrome, where you could show them whatever you want to. You could take the face away, take the name away, look at what he did during his four years. And then as soon as you showed the face and showed the name, done. Doesn't matter. You could have said anything. And it's the same with Bitcoin. You could show somebody the perfect money that already exists, but because it's called Bitcoin, because they've heard so many bad things about Bitcoin, they're done. Brain shuts off. So I guess the question becomes then, what? why did that happen and what can we do about it? That's kind of the purpose of this conversation here. So why that happened, I think, is because... The generation that came before us, and I, I want to give a shout out to the people who are, say, 50 plus and, and understand Bitcoin and understand the importance of it. Because I think the longer you've lived in this current system that we're in right now, the harder it is for you to see past that. And I haven't talked to too many people who have understood Bitcoin, have taken the time to learn about Bitcoin wrapped their head around it, bought some, transacted with it. I haven't met many people or any person for that matter who's who's done that and then said, <clears throat> you know what? Bitcoin isn't for me. I've seen what I need to see. I've used it. It's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So the people with Bitcoin derangement syndrome just haven't taken the time to learn about Bitcoin and that's fine I was there once I was there not long ago I'm sure everybody in the chat and watching later has been there before so you know what it's like and you know that there is a certain inflection point where you think okay maybe I need to dig a little bit deeper here maybe there is something here but it happens differently to everybody every person has a different trigger point I guess you'd say a good trigger point where they start looking into Bitcoin. And, you know, kind of tying back to the ego death capital there with Jeff Booth. 
one of he talks about his his fund and he talks about the companies that they're investing in and how he thinks that investing in bitcoin companies through a venture capital fund is essentially getting venture cap returns times two because you're getting it on the companies themselves and you're getting it on top of that bitcoin because they're holding bitcoin on reserve so not only are they earning money in this new system but they're earning the better money and so his whole theory there makes a lot of sense to me in terms of investing in bitcoin companies but he basically he keeps saying over and over in these interviews that i can't understand why people don't see this i've heard him say it 10 times probably in the last couple of interviews he just can't he's so far into this new system now that he can't understand why people don't see this but it's because people have bitcoin derangement syndrome and the reason for that is because of the media we've had 15 years of basically negative press about bitcoin one thing after another criminals bad for the environment used to then you see jamie Dimon on tv talking about how bitcoin's used for human trafficking when <laughs> Jamie Dimon was the banker of infamous Jeffrey Epstein. So it's just like, it's so, they say one thing, but the, the shitty thing about that is that that's where the majority of people get their information from. And especially the, the older generation, the, the 60, the, the 70 year olds, the 80 year olds, they, that's who they're still trusting, even though they might slowly be going away from that and pretending like, Oh, the media's a bunch of liars. I don't trust them. That's still where subconsciously they still get their information from. So there's the media. The governments obviously hate Bitcoin for good reason. Bitcoin was designed to take out the centralized systems. And the FTXs of the world is when people think of Bitcoin, I still think that they tie it back to FTX. I think that because there was such a huge media coverage on that FTX, People still think that if you invest in Bitcoin, you're going to be subject to potentially losing your money like FTX. But when really they don't understand the fact that Bitcoin had absolutely nothing to do with FTX and FTX actually had zero Bitcoin on their balance sheet, which is why they failed. And if you held your Bitcoin in self-custody off of the exchanges, you had the exact same amount of Bitcoin at the end of it. And the last one is that the, the incentives don't align. That's why people are not seeing this because the incentives don't align for the people who are giving out this information. So that's the media, the government, and most importantly, financial advisors. So people trust what they see on TV. People trust their advisors. And it's the same thing with, I keep tying this, back to Trump, but I think it is the perfect example for this because people hear the media talking about it. They hear Hollywood. This was before Hollywood just went completely ghost mode in the last four years, but they talk, they hear about Hollywood saying how bad Trump is. And that's, that's a lot of people's heroes in life are these celebrities. So when they're saying that, you know, stay away from Trump, he's a terrible guy. They trust them. And it's the same with Bitcoin because the people financial advisors have had no absolutely no reason to pay attention to bitcoin other than for their clients but selfishly for themselves they've had no reason to explore bitcoin up until now and so every time 
the average person who doesn't understand Bitcoin, doesn't understand what's happening here, every time they went to their financial advisor and said, should we maybe buy some Bitcoin here? Should we look into it? Nope, too volatile, too risky, Ponzi scheme. You're going to lose your money. Only invest what you're willing to lose. That's kind of like the classic getting into Bitcoin thing. And so the incentives do not align for these for these people with all the power, the elites right now. But I do think that that's changing. And so what can we do about it, I guess, as people who are already into Bitcoin? Take another short break here. Coffee break. TDS is absolutely real. I've never seen anything like it before. And it's sad. 50 years young for Rick. Well then, my shout out was to you, Rick. I do think that there are people out there who are who have a very hard time because they've spent a longer time than the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds in this old system. That's They've seen it for much longer. And so I think that it is much harder to get past that point of understanding Bitcoin and being open to it. <laughs> nice message there from uh, Mr. Bond there. Okay. Yes, this is uh, the, the best quote from Jeff Booth. If you don't know Bitcoin, your prices are going up. If you denominate in Bitcoin, all prices are coming down and they will forever that was the quote on the show that was the quote of the day yesterday on the show jeff booth is the king he's he's hard to i don't know i just love if you have some time to commit i would say that if you're if you're somebody who's just getting into bitcoin and you're trying to learn more about it you're kind of past the point of of why it's important and you want to start digging in further to the holistic view of it and and what our future is going to look like in the next 10 or 20 years from now, I would suggest just diving into Jeff Booth's interview. There's a ton of them on YouTube. A lot of them will start sounding the same, but I think the more you can hear that and, you know, you don't, you don't hear something that's that much of a paradigm shift. You don't hear it once or twice and change your opinion on it or, or fully comprehend it. But if you can keep listening to it and if you can keep hearing different points of view and different comparisons, you can you can start connecting these dots on your own. So that's what I would suggest to anybody out there who is wanting to kind of take their Bitcoin knowledge to the next level. Get into Jeff Booth. He is the absolute king right now in terms of what the new economy looks like. And I think that that's one of the most important conversations that we need to be having right now, because so many people are spending too much of their energy complaining and bitching about the old system instead of just building a new one. Most people think that because they've always had the power, these centralized authorities, because they've always had the power, that it's always going to be the case. And it's not. We have the ability to change. It just takes one person at a time, one day at a time, slowly moving their energy from the old system into the new. <laughs> this is this is such a good example of Bitcoin derangement syndrome. They just hear different things from different sources and kind of like start putting things together in their own head, but for the worst way possible. 
And this is a perfect example. This is from Johnny in the chat. He said, someone at work thought that Sam Bankman Freed was the CEO of Bitcoin. <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. But at the same time, we do have to keep in mind here. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit too far down the road here. But we do have to keep in mind here that this is not second nature to people. This is not something that people learn in school. This is not something that is common sense to people. I had a guy recently, <clears throat> I was talking about Bitcoin with him. And he thought, he actually thought that Bitcoins were something physical that actually came out of the ground, like a coin. And you have to ask yourself why somebody would think that. But it's because every time you see Bitcoin on TV or an article about Bitcoin, what do you see? You see that little gold looking coin with a B on it and a whole bunch of little, whatever the hell, I'm not an, I'm not a computer guy, whatever the hell the things behind it are. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to say what I'm thinking about here. I can't. Okay. What's it called? Like the, a chip, the thing you you see in the chip. I don't know. I can, I, it's hard to think when you're live on, on air. Anyway, so that is an example of that. And you, you have to think about from their point of view, why that happens. And it is because of all the misinformation. And I know that's such a buzzword to say, but it is the people trying to control the misinformation are the kings and queens of misinformation. And so if you think about why people believe that, it's because up until the internet, up until everybody had all this information to access, where did people get their information from? They got it from the TV, a couple channels. They got it from the newspapers, a couple companies. They got it from the school system. And what's the what's their incentives? They want to keep this whole system going. That's that's what gives them blood to keep going. And who's funding the media? Who's funding the newspapers? Who's funding the schools? The people who print the money. So of course, when you went to school, everybody thinks, why didn't they teach us about money? Because if everybody understood our current financial system, heads would, at the same time, if everybody just realized what's happening here, heads would explode and people would be much less likely to participate in it. So if they grew up, if you grew up in school and they started telling you who has the ability to print money, what inflation is, how it's actually stealing your energy, how even though they can print money, they're still charging you 30, 40% tax, plus the sales taxes, plus the property taxes. If people understood the system, they would just say, no, I'm done. And that's what we're seeing right now in the world. We're seeing a huge withdrawal from the system, people leaving their jobs, because it's, it's to the point now where people are starting to feel it. And so I think what we can do here is that one thing I've learned is that you can never really, I'm sorry, I'm kind of uh, disregarding the chat here, but one thing that we can do, and one thing I've learned is that you can't really force this on anybody. 
You can't force Bitcoin on anybody because of this Bitcoin derangement syndrome. As soon as they hear it, they shut off. So what, what can you do is just, I guess, be there for people and not to tell them about Bitcoin, but to try to help them understand what's happening here. Because people are starting to feel it. They're, they're seeing their grocery bills go up. They're seeing their mortgages go up, the interest rates. They're seeing everything is just costing so much more in every industry. And so they're already feeling it. And so what you can do is not go along with it, not complain about it, not blame it on different things, but explain to them that this all happened because of 1971. As soon as they took the U.S. off the gold standard, everything went to shit. So explain that to them. And I, and I think that, you know, if you asked a thousand Canadians, a thousand Americans, the general public, ask them what backs our currency. I'd say that 99, I shouldn't say 99, but probably 95 to 97% of people would say that our currency is backed by gold. Because they took it, although they took it off the gold standard in 1971, they used the media, they used the government, government-funded entities. They used the schools to try to sell people on this illusion that paper money can work. And so we've kind of been trapped in this whole system of fiat currency, not backed by anything, for over 50 years now. And just like every other time in history, fiat currencies die. And that's what we're living through right now. So instead of blaming the government, instead of blaming greedy corporations, the ga the ga big gas stations, instead of blaming them, and instead of going along with that narrative, tell them the reason why everything is so expensive right now, the reason why everything's going to shit is because our currency is literally backed by nothing. And I think that that's where people have to start. I think before they can even start to realize why they need Bitcoin, I think that's where we have to start is explain that our monetary system is completely broken right now. And we're, it's a, we're in a debt spiral. It's never going to be fixed. The only certainty we have right now is that they will continue to print and they will continue to devalue our currencies here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, preach. Sorry. I'm missing the comments here because I'm too, uh, too into this chat. But <laughs> lots of lots of comments in here. Sorry. Um, if you do have any questions, if you have any any comments, we have a couple of things to discuss tomorrow on the show. Tomorrow is Thursday, our favorite day, my favorite day, which is Bitcoin Q&A. We're on episode seven now where we take questions from the live chat. We take questions from email. So if there is something that you said today or a question you asked and I missed it, I'm sorry. Uh, just send it to either leave a comment on the video after or send an email to 88chats at proton.me. And if you have any questions that you think of after this show, send them there and we're going to get through them all tomorrow. So that is Bitcoin derangement syndrome. I think it's important to understand what's happening so we can ad better adapt to it ourselves. Instead of trying to sell people on Bitcoin, we have to we have to explain what's happening here and what has happened for the last 50 years. Because until people figure that out, 
until they can see the problem here, they don't, they won't understand what the solution is. Bitcoin is the solution. Bitcoin is the exact opposite of everything within that system. Fixed supply cannot be printed, cannot be manipulated. Travel anywhere in the world in seconds, which is important if we're going to be doing business around the world, which we have the ability to do now. It would be global as well. So you can sell it to anybody on earth at any time. Very liquid asset. You don't have to sit on it. You don't have to hire a lawyer. You don't have to have it in trust. Very liquid. If you want to sell it, there's somebody there to buy it from you. Which is uh, which is incredible because that means it's not only a long-term asset, but it's also money that can be used to buy hoodies, but can also be used to buy a house. It would be accessible to everybody and could be used without permission. Old system, you need the approval of the PayPal's, the banks, the government. The Canadian government froze people's bank accounts for protesting against them. It would be peer-to-peer -peer so that nobody could stop it. We don't, we don't need the middlemen anymore. That's the reality of things here. So that is the difference here. We have this old system. We have this new system. They are completely different. Now we just have to help each other understand the differences and not sell Bitcoin, but sell the how shitty the old system is and why everything has led to where we are today. Okay, we're at 45 minutes here. I wanted, uh, yeah, I'm still going to talk about it because I think it, it does tie to this. And I was going to do a full show about this, but I don't think that it requires a full show. So this is my theory. And it's not just my theory. This is a combination of things I've seen through the years. And this is about um, Trump. I'm sure we'll lose some we'll lose some fans. Maybe we'll, we'll see a bunch of people unsubscribe today, but that's okay. Not what we're here for. This is a logical conversation about Trump. And I, I want to talk about this because it is an election year. There are different things happening in the world right now. And I think that a lot of Bitcoiners, a lot of freedom-loving people, like what Trump's done, but don't want to support him because he hasn't come out and said that he supports Bitcoin. So let, let's take a look at, I wrote this on Noster. It's a long thing here, but I'm just going to basically read it because I'll stop it a few times, but I think there's enough here that we can just get through it. So what's the basis of that? So why do people think that Trump doesn't like Bitcoin? So he has called Bitcoin. He said that it seems like a scam and that he wasn't a fan of Bitcoin. But outside of that, he hasn't talk too much about it up until recently but this week last week i guess it was now he came out and said that he was totally against central bank digital currencies which he hasn't said before i think he's mentioned it a couple times but he's come out and said a couple times now that he is totally against central bank digital currencies so that's a big step and so then you have to you have to ask yourself if if he's not going to use cbdc's What's the play there? He's talked about end, ending the central banks. He's talked about not using the central bank digital currencies. 
So what's his play? Is he going to start using gold? Are we going to go back to a gold standard? No, we can't use gold. We can't, you can't go to a coffee store, coffee shop and shave off some gold. You can't travel with gold. You can't send gold to Colorado for a hoodie. It's just not feasible. We're, we're living in this high-tech world now and we need a monetary asset for it. And Trump is not a dumb guy. I mean, people, people with TDS, with Trump derangement syndrome, like to think of Trump as a dummy. But he's not. He's actually a very intelligent guy. The businesses that he's built, he has had help, but he's a very intelligent guy. And he's surrounded by the most intelligent people in the world. He created Space Force. And I think that Space Force is the one of the most important aspects of the whole government right now. I think that they are doing the most important work right now. And so if you think about that, why? how could a guy like me, an average Jor, we'll call it, an average Jor, how could a guy like me understand Bitcoin, understand game theory, and a guy like Trump, very intelligent guy, surrounded by the most intelligent people, how could he not understand that? So he, he is a businessman. We also know that his son, Donald Jr., owns Bitcoin. We also know that his wife, Melania, tweeted a happy birthday to Bitcoin on October 31st. Seems weird that she would just randomly throw out a, a happy birthday Bitcoin white paper. Uh, his main guy, General Flynn, tweeted about Bitcoin back in 2015, saying that it is the future. Pay attention. And he hired Brian Brooks, who is a known Bitcoiner, to be his assistant comptroller, I think, of finances. So he had a, a Bitcoin guy working directly under him as a comptroller. And so then he came out and had these NFTs. Yes, bingo. When he put out the NFTs, I took that as huge wink and nod. Even though the originals weren't on Bitcoin, which is the next part here, his new NFTs are on Bitcoin, are on ordinals. So Trump's always been kind of in the background. He's had some NFTs. He's got people learning about cryptocurrencies. But now he's kind of going full steam into Bitcoin with the ordinals. Would I buy one? No. Well, no. But that's not the point. So my, the my conclusion here is that Trump definitely knows about Bitcoin, without a doubt. Son owns it. His wife tweeted about it, saying, happy birthday, Bitcoin white paper. Happy birthday, Satoshi white paper. His, his main guy, General Flynn, tweeted about it in 2015, 10 years ago, talking about Bitcoin, how it's the future. And Brian Brooks as well. So why can't he come out and support Bitcoin? Why can't Trump come out and, and endorse Bitcoin? And I think that it's because it's being adopted by everybody, not just conservative voters. And I think that if, if Trump came out and started endorsing it, everybody on the left would lose their minds. They would instantly say that they would go on full frontal attack on Bitcoin. They'd say that I'm never using that. They'd probably start calling it the Trump coin. 
And then you'd lose a, not a significant, but a, a percentage of the population just because it's tied to Trump. And Bitcoin is for everybody. And so imagine if he endorsed it, the people with TDS, the people with Trump derangement syndrome, they're never, ever going to use Bitcoin just because he endorsed it. So he knows that if, if Bitcoin is to succeed, it has to be without his endorsement. And the reason I say it is because the people like me who are, I guess, I'm not really a conservative voter. I wouldn't say that I am. I, I don't love talking politics. I think that all politicians are, are dipshits. But he knows that he doesn't have to tell this certain segment of the population about it. We're not going to buy Bitcoin just because Trump said to. We've been buying it without his endorsement up until now. But he knows that on the flip side of that, if he did come out and endorse it, he would lose half of the, not half, a small portion of the voters. Um, and so that's my opinion on it. I think that it is by design. I think that he knows about it. And I think that he realizes if that if he were to endorse it, it might fail. Or it might take longer to catch on. And it is something that happens slowly. And so the more, the less drawbacks we can have at this point, I think the better. So that's my theory on it. I'm interested to know what you guys think in the chat and anybody listening to this after. I'm interested. I want to hear a rebuttal to that. I want to hear why you think that Trump is anti-Bitcoin. And I'm not suggesting that this is 100% true. This is just kind of my theory, my connecting of the dots, things that make sense to me, logical discussion. So take it or leave it. Don't do anything with it. Just something to consider, I think. And, and not only the fact that I believe it to be true, but it's just another example of not willing to see past stuff like this. And people can't do that. I think the more you can open your mind up to things here and start connecting these dots, I think the better off you're going to be in the future. So that's that. Also Vivek, yeah, I'm, I was kind of on him and then I was off him and now I'm kind of back on him again. Very well spoken. Basically, whatever Trump likes is considered trash by those that hate him. Yep. That's the general theory here. Bitcoin is for everybody. It's not just for conservatives. It's for Bitcoin is for enemies. I love that that phrase because it is. You can't tell BlackRock that they can't hold Bitcoin. You can't tell liberals that they can't own Bitcoin. Justin Trudeau could even own Bitcoin. Nothing I can do about it. I'm not going to bitch about it. It's not the point. Bitcoin is for everybody. It's for enemies. <laughs> politically he's neutral to conform personally he's a whale i believe so too i believe that i believe that there's no chance on earth that trump isn't aware of bitcoin and he doesn't hold a significant portion of bitcoin he just can't he can't talk about it he can drop hints and i think that that's what he's been doing for the last couple of years for anybody who's been paying attention and, you know, kind of just around this conversation out, I do think that there is, barring something crazy that happens this year, I do think that there is a, 
a very, very, very high likelihood that Trump's going to be back in the White House at the end of this year, barring something crazy again. And so that's going to, I think that that's going to have a very positive impact on Bitcoin itself because the Joe Bidens, the Janet Yellens, they've kind of gone out of their way to, to stop this from going. They know that they can't stop it, but they can slow it down. And I do think once we have a guy like Trump and his team, he's also been endorsing numerous um, senators and people within Congress who are Bitcoin friendly. So I just think too much is lining up here. This is a good point. Oh, sorry, I've missed a couple here. Anyways, uh, Trump is a post boy for fiat. He's benefited greatly from that system. Yes, he has for sure. And this is something we talked about on the uh, the show a couple weeks ago, is that just because somebody did something in the past before Bitcoin doesn't mean that that's who they are today. And I would agree that he has benefited from the system. He's, he's admitted to that. And actually, that was the reason why I initially was turned on to Trump is because he was the first person ever that came out and said, yes, the system is corrupt. I've learned how to go around it. Nobody's ever said that before because there's people like the Bidens, the Clintons, who are fully aware that this system exists and they've just been doing things behind the curtains. Trump's came out and said, this system is completely fucked and I know how to, to play it. Nobody's ever said that before. So I do agree with that part, but I also think that he has built his career on real estate. And what is real estate? It's a scarce asset. So Trump understands scarcity. He has gold, I'm sure. He understands that part of it. And real estate, I think, is the closest thing to Bitcoin in terms of the limited supply of it, I guess you'd say, and the scarce, the differences between New York and Delaware. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Yeah, I do have, uh, I think it's, I'll maybe put it below. And I'm sorry for shilling this. I've, I've made it a personal goal of mine for 2022. Not talk about ShakePay because I do, I'm back and forth on it. I still use it every day. I don't use it to buy Bitcoin, but I do use it to pay for things because why would I earn airline miles when I could earn SATs back? So I use the ShakePay Visa and I use the, shake thing to get some free sets every day so i will put my link below because you need you do need to have a referral link to unlock the shake feature say what you want i like i said i will never turn down free sats i think that anybody who's turning down free sats at this point in bitcoin's cycle is nuts yes bull bitcoin is much better but they don't have a card so, I mean, you can go back and forth with them. I don't use ShakePay for any purchases anymore, but I use it for the Visa and for some features on there. So anyways, we're at an hour. It's nine o'clock. Um, if you do have any questions, if you have any comments, make sure to uh, leave a comment on the video itself outside the live chat. And this was a good show today. I knew it was going to be, I knew that this would rile up some different opinions, which is good. I think one thing we're missing in the world right now 
is debate and and logic. So the more conversations we can have like this, I think the better we're going to be. And that's how that's how she goes. Lots of good, lots of really good comments in the chat, and I wish that I could have saw them all. Um, in the near future, free sats will get more scarce. They already they already have. I mean, if pretty much every application I've been using for the last couple of years, all of them have slowly started to dry up more and more. And as more people come into Bitcoin, these free incentives. I mean, think back ten years ago. There was a there was a website called BitcoinFaucet.com, I think, or .net. But you could go in there, just visiting the website. You put in your Bitcoin address, and you would get one Bitcoin, a faucet, a real Bitcoin faucet. These existed, so you could go. You could just log into this website, not even log in. You just have to enter your <laughs> your address, and they would just send you Bitcoin. So that's kind of where we're going to evolve from that. And I do think that in 10 years from now, we're going to look back at how crazy this time was. Where you could shake your phone, you could um, play solitaire and earn free sats. It's going to be the same thing. Everything just takes time. So take advantage of it while you can. And we definitely do need some sort of a signal group. I don't I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this still, because I, I don't want it to be. I, I don't know how to say this. I don't want there to be any spam within the group. I want it to be people who are actually interested in a, a circular type economy, people who are interested in sharing ideas and thoughts and experiences of their own to, to kind of help everybody within the group. Because at the end of the day, we are going through this whole thing together. And I think the, the more people we can have within this network, this community here, the, the stronger everybody's going to be. Everybody's dropping their rewards. Even Fountain. Fountain used to be minimum of 60 sats per day listening to podcasts. Now you have to, it changes. Some days it's only 12, for 20 minutes. And so all these incentives are going to be drying up. Yeah, I mean, signal, signal would be probably the road to take in terms of privacy and and getting people there it's just how do we organize that so i'm working on something like that and i'll keep you guys posted as we move along here um but that's it long one today longest episode ever i figured it'd be a good one one day a nostra group hey cheers to that okay once again i appreciate everybody being here I appreciate everybody being in the chat. It makes it much more interesting. I'm sorry that I couldn't get to all the comments and questions today, but that's what tomorrow's for. Tomorrow is our weekly Q&A. So show up, ask some questions in the chat, or send an email. Have an awesome day, everybody. I want you to tump day today. We got our golf podcast. So if you're a golfer, you like golf, we do a show every Wednesday night at 8 30 p.m central time so show up there if you want to it's pretty fun it's me and my little brother and our good buddy so with that appreciate everybody sticking around for it i appreciate the fact that not many people in this chat have trump derangement syndrome and the more we can talk about it i think the more we can learn from each other so have yourselves the best day 
the best Wednesday of your entire life. And we'll see you first thing tomorrow morning right back here. <clears throat> bye bye